Well, good evening. As Josh mentioned, we're going to be in Acts this evening, taking a look at ministry of Philip. As we read through this this evening and, and we study, uh, I, since we're not in a uh, normal uh, walking through of Scripture, we haven't been preaching through Acts. I, I feel it's important for us to have some of the history before we get to uh, our focal passage. So we're going to provide some historical and setting, some, some information on which Philip we're talking about. And then as we get through uh, walking through the Scripture, uh, I'm going to give you three three things that I think we see uh, as, we, as we study Scripture, the ways that God is working in the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. I think in scripture we, we see multiple examples of, of people coming to salvation, coming to the knowledge, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have lots of, lots of examples, obviously. And it's important for us as we see those and as we read through those, not to just kind of you know, quickly go through and say this Ethiopian eunuch was, was saved and Philip was involved. It's important for us to see how God is at work in and through the circumstances, right? I think, I think as we read in uh, the, the Christmas story, oftentimes we take more time in, in studying how is it that God worked all of this through history, through time, through the lives of people to bring all of this about so that the Christ child was born in Bethlehem in order to fulfill all of the prophecy, right? And then he flees and he goes to Egypt and we're, we're continuing to fulfill prophecy. So I, I want us to see this, this evening the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of Philip, in the life of the eunuch, directing events that are taking place in both of their lives, ultimately bringing them to the place where they meet at a chariot in a desert. And I believe if we do that, we'll see God working in and through all of these circumstances to bring about the salvation of an Ethiopian eunuch in the desert. So for our focal passage, we'll read Acts 8, 26 through 40. And when we're done with that, we will move into some of the setting and history. So if you have your copy of God's word, please follow along with me as I read. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him, this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Astus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Join me in a brief word of prayer. Lord God, we pray that as tonight as we, we study the scripture, Lord, we will see how you are working in and through all of the circumstances that led to the salvation of this Ethiopian eunuch. We pray, Lord, that as we, as we study together, that, that you, would, you would reveal things to us, that you would teach us, Lord, that we would learn, that we would see how you are at work in the world today and how you have things for us to do. You, you are calling us to arise and go. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. So who is Philip? Who was Philip? Which Philip are we talking about? If you read in Scripture, you will see that there are more than one Philip, or there is more than one Philip discussed in Scripture. As a matter of fact, evidently King Herod liked the name Philip so much, he gave it to both of his sons from two different wives. Um, that's kind of odd, but I guess he really liked that name. There's also Philip, who was the disciple of John the Baptist. As we know, he would later become a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was also the Philip who went and told Nathaniel to come to Jesus. And then there's the Philip who was chosen to be a servant of the church in Acts 6. And that is the Philip that we're talking about. We believe, uh, historically speaking, that the Philip that is introduced in Acts 6 is also the Philip of Acts 8. And as we will find out, he is also the Philip that is mentioned in Acts 21. It's important for us to kind of track that down as we look through the history. Uh, scripture helps us out with this as we see that uh, in Acts 6, if we want to find out a little bit more about the person of Philip, what kind of guy was he, we can read through Acts 6 and the choosing of the seven to, to serve the church. And many of you may recall that in that, the disciples were increasing and the widows were being neglected in the distribution of food. And there arose a, a complaint by the Hellenist uh, that the Hebrews were being, be, being treated better and, and that they were, they were being neglected, the Hellenists were being neglected. And so the, the disciples of 12 summoned together the church and they had them select seven from which to serve the church. And among them, we see named in scripture, Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, proselyte of Antioch. And they were called to serve. And all of these were said that they were men who were full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And as you will recall, after they are called to serve, after they are uh, commissioned to serve, and the, the, the apostles lay their hands on them and, and, and pray over them, it says that the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. We're to understand that this Philip that we're talking about, Philip the deacon or Philip the, um, Philip the evangelist, was a man who was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, a man who was eager to serve, man who was equipped to serve the church. And we see him serving faithfully. 
But as we know, a church that is growing, a church that is faithful, a church that is moving the way that God would have them to move is not going to do so unimpeded. Immediately in Scripture, if you read in Acts, the church faces persecution as Stephen is falsely accused, seized, and stoned. Because of that, we have a dispersion that takes place. People were fleeing. It says in Scripture that the disciples themselves remain in Jerusalem, but the other, many of the other believers would flee. Philip is one of those who flees, and he flees to Samaria. If you were to read in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, you would see that as they scattered, they were doing something awesome. As they went, they were going about preaching the word. So as the church is being spread out because of persecution, the word is spreading because of persecution. Philip, it says, went down to the city of Samaria. Geographically, he goes up to the city of Samaria. It's like us saying we're going to go down to the Walmart, right? He went actually up to Samaria. And as he gets there, he proclaims Christ to them. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice, had come out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was much joy in that city. He went preaching. He went with power. He went with displays of the Holy Spirit upon him. And many were listening, they were hearing, they were believing, their lives were being changed by this man who was selected to serve food in the church. I think it's important for us in this context, in this day and time, to recognize that Philip was first and foremost not uh, one of the disciples. That's the reason why we went through that history, is to recognize that yes, he was a servant of the church, yes, he was called upon, called upon to serve the church uh, in, in a capacity that we recognize it's similar to a deacon today, but he was not the, uh, one of the disciples that was going on doing this. This is a man who is uh, following the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. He is being faithful in studying the word. He is being faithful in going where the Holy Spirit is leading him, but he is a, he's a lay person who has been called to serve. That is important because many times we think that the people who are responsible for preaching and spreading the word are those who have some sort of degreed education. That is not the case. We, we are the priesthood of the believers. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to learn what God's word says. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit to share the good news with others. That was part of our call to worship. We read from Matthew 28, and the, the call that was on to go ye therefore. That go ye therefore was not just for those 12 men. It was for all who would follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to understand that today because we all have that as followers of Jesus Christ. We all have that calling upon us to go therefore. That go therefore might be into your workplace. That go therefore might be to Thailand where Josh Womble is today. But we are to arise and go and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Teaching others about what we believe, sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ as we go. And scripture bears out that that is exactly what Philip was doing when circumstances pushed him out of Jerusalem and to Samaria. He was faithful in ministering and teaching those he came in contact with. And because of that, there was much joy in Samaria over the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Now, as we see this man is going to continue, many times we have this temptation. Things are great. He is in Samaria. Things are much joy in the city, as Scripture says. There's Things are going well, but God has something that he needs him to do. As we get to our, uh, our first verse of our focal passage from Acts 8, it says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. As we've discussed, Philip was in Samaria. He's north of Jerusalem, proclaimed the good news. Things are going great. But now he is being called to go to a place seemingly where there's almost no one. Seemingly to a place where he might have less impact. Seemingly to a place where he might say, why? Why would I leave all that is good that is going on here? But that's not what we see Philip doing. It says that he rose and went. Simple, straightforward. He listened to the call that was upon his life, and he rises and he goes south to the desert place. Another character is introduced at this point. We have the Ethiopian, a eunuch. Scripture says, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure that had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. This is not just an ordinary guy who had traveled to Jerusalem. This Ethiopian man is a court official of the queen. Think of him as the treasury secretary maybe of today. He was responsible for all of her treasure. He is a man that is not doing what many of you may see people doing driving down the interstate. He is not reading the scripture while he's driving a car. I've seen people reading newspapers on their steering wheel. I've seen people reading text messages. That's not this guy. He has people who are transporting him. He is riding in a chariot. So we are to see that he's traveling with other people. He is, he is a man who, of, of means. We also to see, though, that he has gone up to Jerusalem to worship. The reason that he's going to Jerusalem to worship is because he has converted to Judaism. He's a proselyte. He's someone who's now believing in the Jewish faith. But he finds himself reading scripture on the way back, trying to understand what scripture says, grappling with the passage that he is reading from Isaiah. And we recognize that the passage he's reading is from Isaiah 53. And scripture says in verse 29 that the spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I don't want us to miss this. Philip has been told, this moves really quickly in scripture, but he's been told to leave Samaria, go through Jerusalem and go south into the Gaza Strip in the desert area and you're gonna, you're gonna go that way and I have someone for you to talk to basically. And he goes. Now, the GPS of the Holy Spirit has not only navigated him where he needs to be, he is directly next to the traveling chariot with the gentleman he is supposed to talk to. God has specifically guided him where he is to be. He didn't just by happenstance be traveling through there and bump into this guy. This was all planned by the Holy Spirit. This is all God working because God is going to save the Ethiopian eunuch. So the Spirit tells him to go over and join his chariot. So Philip runs over and he hears him reading Isaiah the prophet and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? Hearing that Ethiopian reading, Philip asks him that important question, do you understand what you're reading? 
And we recognize that there's a vast difference between being able to read or, or reading and reading with understanding and application. We have a young member of our home who will take a book that has like 30 chapters in it and he'll get it from the library and two days he'll say, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done, I read that. Did you, did you really read it? And, and, and Liz will sometimes quiz him, having read the book maybe herself. She'll say, well, what happens when this? Oh, I don't know. Did you, did you really read it? And the, the answer is no, he didn't. He flipped through and he may have skimmed. There's an, there's an important difference, and I'm drawing the distinction here because if we don't understand what we're reading, we might be reading the words, but it's not changing us. We're not, we're not intaking the information. It is not becoming uh, life-changing to us because we don't understand what we're reading. And so the question from Philip about do you understand what you're reading is important because he is getting to the point of is he believing or is he struggling with, or is he just reading? There's a good many people today who claim to understand what the word of God says. They claim to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They claim to understand what it means to, to be a good church member. Uh, and, and, and when we really begin to observe and ask some questions, we find out that they have some loose association with their faith. We find out that they may not really have faith. They, they may have some grasp of what the Bible says and they incorrectly remember things that are, that are said in the Bible and then they misquote them. And it's sincerely sad for us to, to, to have people who are walking around thinking that they are saved and for sure because they walked an aisle and were dunked in a baptismal uh, as a child, but yet as an adult they they don't know anything about following the Lord Jesus Christ. They may know some of the stories from Sunday school. They may remember some of those things, but they're not applying any of that truth to their life. They, they might know some of what it says, but loosely. They're not holding tightly onto God's word, and they have not understand it, understand it or applied it. And the eunuch responds in verse 31. He says, how can I understand or how can I unless someone guides me and so he invites Philip to come up and sit with him and they look at the passage together that like a sheep he was led to the slaughter like a lamb before it shears is silent so he opens not his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth and the eunuch asked Philip who is this about We understand because we know. We understand because we have studied. But we also understand because someone at some point has guided us. We understand at some point when reading God's word that having someone preach to us through the power of the Holy Spirit working with God's word and, and the, the person who's being faithful in teaching us, we begin to understand. And as we begin to understand, we give it more than just mental assent. We believe with all that we have that God's word is true. And we become children of God. He says, how then can I understand unless someone guide me and that someone had been sent by God to be there? Notice next verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the very scripture that they were reading, he begins to tell him the good news 
about Jesus. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? What, what better example do we need to say that all scripture, not only is it God breathed and useful for, for teaching and reproof and all of those things, but all of the Old Testament can be used to point us to Jesus Christ. Regardless of where this guy had been reading, Philip, who knew the Old Testament for sure, could have used whatever passage he was reading to point him to Jesus Christ. But I believe God had him reading Isaiah 53 for a reason. And I believe that Philip was there for a reason, at just the right moment to have this discussion with him. And he shared the good news with him. And not happenstance, but providence, they pass water in a desert area. Again, come on, it's, it's so good, right? It's just all working out exactly as it should. They pass water and the eunuch says, see, here's water, what prevents me from being baptized? And they stop the chariot and they both go down into the water and Philip baptizes him. The eunuch's response to hearing the truth and having the scriptures explained to him and having the Holy Spirit working on him is that he responded in faith and his faithfulness leads to the obedience and wanting to follow the Lord in baptism. His desiring of baptism in this desert place it all is part of the plan that the Holy Spirit had for this eunuch. And it says, immediately after they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carries Philip away. The eunuch sees him no more, but what does he do? He goes his way rejoicing. The Spirit is calling Philip away because the Spirit has other things for Philip to do. The eunuch is rejoicing because he has been forgiven of his sins and he is now a follower of Jesus Christ and his life is forever changed. As we read through this and as we study this, there's, there are three things that if you were to read through this again, three things that I, that I hope that you see, and this is, this is what, what I wanna to deliver to you as the, the three ways that we see God working in the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. Number one, that the Holy Spirit is working in the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. There is no way that all of these things occurred exactly as they occurred, in the timing that they occurred, over the geography that they occurred, for them to be at the exact right place at the right time while shortly thereafter passing a body of water. If you, if you believe that all that is just happenstance, you may also believe that there's two particles of matter that were floating through space that somehow collided and we, now we're sitting here over millions of years. It's impossible. The eunuch went to Jerusalem to, to, to study, to, to, to worship. Philip was called to go south. All of these things, we see the Holy Spirit working and directing Philip. We see the Holy Spirit directing the eunuch. We see the Holy Spirit working in the heart of the eunuch even before, even before Philip comes to see him. We see the Holy Spirit enabling Philip to explain the scripture. We see the Holy Spirit enabling the eunuch to understand the scripture. The Holy Spirit enables the eunuch to believe. The Holy Spirit is in and through this entire thing. And, 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 and fellow believers, when we step out in faith and follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit to speak to other people, we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is working, that the Holy Spirit was there before we got there, that the Holy Spirit is working in the heart and life of the person who we're sharing the, our faith with. 
And ultimately, it is not we who save anyone anyway. We are trusting that God is going to do that work in the heart of the other person. We must merely be faithful to arise and go when we are prompted by the Holy Spirit. Being faithful to do what we are being prompted and told to do by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we see the word of God at work in the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip, as he travels and he's moving alongside the chariot, actually it says he ran to him, so he's close enough in earshot to hear this man reading. He knows the scripture because he's studied the scripture. He recognizes the scripture as it's being read. And he starts with this to use, uh, use it as a foundation from which to explain the good news of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 10, it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in, in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Philip, in knowing the word, the eunuch in studying the word, the word of God is at work in the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip uses that to begin to explain, to begin to show him. Today, as we study God's word, as we try to memorize God's word, as we, as we, we use it for, for study times personally or with our family or with groups as we're here at church, we have to continue to understand how the word of God connects to the coming of Jesus Christ. We need to understand how to show someone if they have questions in scripture, how to explain to them what God is saying here. And ultimately, sometimes that leads us, a lot of times it leads us to explain the bad news. The good news of Jesus Christ actually starts with the bad news, right? The bad news is that we're all sinners and the world is, is created, controlled by a holy God. And we can never be in his presence without resolving that sin issue. And unfortunately, there is not a single thing that we can do to reconcile ourselves to God or make good for our sin. People need to know that bad news because many times what they'll say is, well, I'm not a bad person, right? I go to church sometimes. I try not to do these things, and I think I'm a fairly good person. I know lots of people who are worse than me. I'm not a murderer, right? That's not the question. The question is, are you perfect, are you holy? Because if you're not, you cannot be in the presence of a holy God. We need to be able to communicate that bad news, but we need to connect it quickly to the good news of Jesus Christ is, but God responded in order to resolve that problem. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins so that we can be forgiven. And we can use the word of God to show them that. That's exactly what Philip did. Number three, the faithful child of God is working in the salvation of the Ethiopian eunuch. In this instance, our faithful child of God is Philip. Philip is a man uh, who obviously from, from Acts 6, we're told that he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. We know that he was serving well in the church in Jerusalem. We know the works that he was doing in Samaria. We, we know that he is listening and he is sensitive to the calling of the Holy Spirit directing him down. We know that he has studied the scriptures because he is ready to have a conversation about how is it that Isaiah 53 points to Jesus Christ when he gets there. And he is faithful to go. 
Going back to the beginning of our scripture says, he was told to arise and go. Our call to worship was go ye therefore. He was called, he was sent, and he went. You take these three things together and, and, and a commentator that, that I read often, uh, McGee has put it this way. He said, the spirit of God uses the man of God who delivers the word of God to produce a son of God, one who is born again. Philip was faithful. Philip is not the star of our story. Philip was not telling about himself and about how many healings and casting out of demons. He's not even talking about that. He's talking about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to be faithful in doing the same thing. Oftentimes in Scripture, we're not given the Paul Harvey rest of the story, right? We're, we don't know exactly what happens to these guys. But in this case, if we were to skip ahead to Acts 21, we get to see Philip one more time. In Acts 21, verses 7 and 8, if you recall, uh, at the end of uh, our passage, it says that he went through preaching the gospel through all the towns until he came to a place called Caesarea. And Acts 21, verse 7 says, and it's talking about Paul, it says, when we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Ptolemy, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. How awesome is that? That he went to Caesarea, he is still in Caesarea, he is still known as Philip the evangelist, and Paul, on his journey to Jerusalem, ends up there staying with him. It's important, it's important for us to be prepared in season, out of season, to share with others the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, if you are a faithful follower of Christ, you are saved and for sure, the calling upon your life is simple. Study God's word, follow after Jesus Christ, and listen to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit may be prompting you to talk to someone whom the Holy Spirit has already been working on. They may already have been reading God's word. And it might be just at the right time of life that you encounter this person. And you need to be prepared to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit and talk to them about why it is that you have the hope that you have and why it is that, that you believe that Jesus Christ is the good news for the world who resolves our sin problem. I believe that God is still working in that way, the same way that we are talking about tonight to this very day. We all have chance encounters where we meet people and we have an opportunity to have a gospel conversation with them. I encourage you, be faithful Rise and go. Share the good news. Trust the Holy Spirit to work through you. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing us here to your house. Lord God, as we prepare now to take the Lord's Supper, we, we pray that you would help us to evaluate our, our hearts, our lives. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to take it in a worthy manner. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we go through our, our, our days each and every week, Lord. We, we encounter people all the time, Lord, that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would prepare us. We pray that you would, would give us boldness. We pray, Lord, that regardless of whatever sort of difficulties that we may face, that we would be faithful in sharing Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.